0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another astral interview. And I have the honor here with me to have Alan Steinfeld, leader in consciousness evolution with 30 years of exploring consciousness as a lecturer on the speaking circuit, host and producer of the long running primetime TV series New Realities. What have you interviewed? Over 5,000 people now, including Deepak, John Gray, John Anthony West, maybe Ramdas, Richard yes. Dolan. Did you interview Richard Dolan? Yes, many they...
1: times. Yes, yes Richard's yes. a good friend.
0: And Naseem Haramein, and what, 12 million views on YouTube?
1: Well, more than that. Now, I think it's like 20 million views because 20
0: million views on YouTube.
1: I started when YouTube first came out in 2006. I was one of the first creators on there.
0: Absolutely, so, and um, you have an up-and-coming book too, Making Contact.
1: Yes, it's a so, a collection of essays by our favorite UFO researchers. Not Richard Dolan because he was too busy to contribute, but um, Linda Moulton Howe, <laughs> uh, Grant Cameron. Uh, whitley streber wow uh, do, do you know who john mack is yes was, was. He, uh, yeah i got i got in touch with his estate and there was an unpublished essay that they let me put in this book for the first time in publication so
0: oh my god so exciting
1: yes so tell- and yeah yeah go you go ahead what we can say
0: tell me before you go into all the exciting stuff about your book tell us a little bit about your life tell us Tell, hmm. about, tell us about things that nobody knows about, about oh, your life. that's, a, that's always off. a good,
1: that's a good question. Um, <laughs> let me, <laughs> wait, wait one <laughs> second. Let me just grab something. Okay, you can, you can cut that part out, right? Where I I, okay. will. No, I just want to say one more thing about the book is that Daryl Anka has a piece in there as Bashar. himself. But not as Bashar as Daryl Anka. So, but your question, okay? what can I tell you that I haven't told? Well, I can always I can. Well, I may have told other people this, but I've never felt like I was from this planet. I never felt like a part of my family. Very nice people, very kind, but very, very Earth based, you know, (laughs) very uh, I'm very, you know, successful in that realm of business. My father. My father was probably the most inspirational person for for me to reach out and do everything i've done because he you know he grew up in the depression he was poor had to work every single day i mean he wanted to he wanted to never be poor again so from 16 until the time he could no longer work because he sort of worked himself to death he was in business but after he had made it to a certain level, you know, a house in the suburbs, kids, cars, pool, whatever, it was very middle class, you know, right. um, after he had made it, he started to search for what else that was not satisfying. Right. So I, I, I witnessed what he went through and I said, well, that saves me a lot of trouble because I don't need the house in the suburbs with the car and all that. <laughs> i've already done that one in some level so i mean the searching for the mystery and the mystical um right. elements of existence well i think that's the most exciting thing here that's why i'm drawn to people like david sarita and all the ufo people and ramdas and all the you know, Ramdas had you like, you know, drop out of Harvard and take LSD. Well, I just had to like realize that there was more to me than than, than
0: what's around you and what surrounds you.
1: yeah, and and that the American dream was a kind of um a joke because it didn't really get you satisfaction. It just it just made you buy into the system. It just made you a part of, 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 of a corporate um, commercial society. So that was, that was what turned me on to looking for something more. And you know what, when you look for something more, (coughs) you find it.
0: You find it everywhere.
1: (laughs) Yes. Of course, my mother was very materialistic, still is. She yeah. said, What are you looking at? She would always get angry with my father, actually. That's that's something I've never told anyone because um, <laughs> she was always saying, What are you looking for? You got it made, you've done everything, and you know, and she, you know, she liked the material existence right. on whatever level. It wasn't like, you know, huge, but it was enough for you know, people coming from immigrant parents from Europe, from Poland, Russia, settling with here with nothing, and now. Wow, you got your own house, got your own couple of cars. You know, it's like, um, that's sort of like.
0: Right, what more do you want now that you have all this around you? Yeah,
1: right. What more do you really need even, you know? And so
0: you saw what he really needed, right? You saw, you were able to see through what it was that he was searching for because you kind of felt it inside yourself as well.
1: Well, I felt it because I said, well, Here's my house in the suburb. Here is this. Do I want to do that when I grow up? I've just done that. I've just been part of that experience. Why? I mean, of course, my brothers had a different experience and they wanted that. And, you know, I have two younger brothers and um, that's so I always did feel that I was different. But my father did start searching and it gave me permission to not follow a conventional life. It's right. like, you know, I've been living here in the East Village and, you know, felt like I was part of the early settlements here when the, um, when the city started to change in the 80s. So it was a little depressed in the 60s, 70s, and then things started to happen, although now it's depressed again, but for when I started to come into the art scene here, I was more interested in the arts than metaphysics because that was oh, also, wow. that was also a creative way of expressing something deeper. What do the arts have to do? Um, and so I, I started my uh, um,
0: artistic side. Then
1: yes, I should show you my early photographs, which got me into this idea of new realities. You know,
0: please. It came them to- through.
1: In my photographs, um, I always thought there was that saying you, two things cannot occupy the same place at the, same, the time. same time. But I thought, well, what if they could? What <laughs> if two things could occupy the same place at the same time? So I would take pictures and double expose it. And um, there were two things in the same frame, same place at the same time, or sometimes three things, four things. So. Uh, This whole idea of new realities that I've been pursuing, talking to people started with the visuals that, oh, here's these intersecting realities that make a third reality. It's not like you just have two, you make something that has never existed before. And that was kind of magic for me. Well, to
0: quote you, a mind stretched to new realities never returns to its original Original dimension dimension. yeah so what exactly does that mean to you
1: well it means once you see something you cannot unsee it once you experience a kind of multi-dimensional awareness that or being just simple being lucid in your dreams when you start to realize that those realities actually exist you can't go back to the small box you can't say oh It's not real because you've experienced, you know, the difference between knowledge and experience is that experience is innate wisdom. You can't argue it. You can argue with facts and knowledge, but you can't argue with experience unless someone comes along and said, no, that didn't happen to you. But I trust people's experiences. So once you've seen a UFO, once you've been abducted, which I write about in my book, You can't go back to a small thing and say no. The world is only this little
0: right.
1: box, you know. Right. Terrence McKenna used to say the the culture is not your friend because it limits us. You know, I say this is a table, that's a chair, this is a ceiling, and that's, those are boxes that we frame our reality yeah. in. Yeah, but if we do that then we live in our predictable world of categories, right?
0: Well we, well, we know that the box, the chair, and the table aren't really what they appear to be anyways. So. Well,
1: you know that, but most <laughs> people don't even think about that. They right. don't even question that. They don't even, um. they don't even like, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, that's yeah. the conditioning of us when we're children in whatever culture you're in to to <clears throat> just um, go by the cultural values. So it's not just the labels of things, it's the values oh, yeah. that
0: yeah, come nice. with
1: those things, you know, those labelings. it's like certain ways of relating. And that's why, you know, prejudice, there's no babies are born with prejudice, you know, that's a taught um, expression by the culture or whatever ignorance p- people, have uh, picked up from their families or their religions or their political affiliations or their media this is where i my um hope is and my feeling is that we're born pretty pure and we're
0: well every religious quote-unquote religious book states that you're born masum which is innocent or or pure or or yeah. right every they they, they
1: state that but that. they don't teach that you know yeah I mean, I mean, most religions say that if you're this, you're better than other people. And um, and that's, you know, that's why everyone's uh, favorite song is imagine. Imagine no religion, you know, no
0: religion. yeah.
1: Right. So um, I knew that. I mean, I was brought up Jewish. My father, my father was actually Orthodox, but he became a Buddhist. He started meditating once he started to search around. And so.
0: So how diff- old were you when you first started your search, when you actually mm-hmm. delved into this idea of of the consciousness?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Now, I haven't told anyone this either, but um, um, I think it started. you know, I was brought up on white bread and milk and television and um, Yankee Doodles. You know what those are like little cupcakes <laughs> right. and, you know, um, sugar coca-cola and pizza and you know pizza and coca-cola is a great combination i <laughs> I, ha- I haven't had that in 30 years because it, oh, it doesn't make me feel good but, <laughs> it
0: doesn't make us feel good anymore i know it
1: doesn't doesn't make it was but you know that was the american culture in the suburbs and um and then i think it was like seventh grade it's like um oh yeah I saw an article in the Village Voice that that presented this was like, I guess, in the 70s. The Village Voice was an alternative paper. And it's like and I just read something. I said, wow, there's actually another way of looking at the news. I mean, that was (laughs) like, uh, really, there was this like you watch Walter Cronkite, whatever the news is. And that's how and that's the way it is. I think he would end every broadcast that way. I was a little (laughs) young, but I do remember some of that. That's the way it is. So. If Walter Cronkite says that's the way it is, that must be the (laughs) the way it is. The way it is. And so you you watch, you know, I only had three stations, basically. ABC, NBC, CBS, and everything was pretty much the same. And that's what you believe, because the media was telling us that's the way it is. But then I read this article in the Village Voice, and it's like, well, maybe I think it was an anti Vietnam. Vietnam War thing because that was still going on. It's like, wow. I mean, this war is not what they're telling us. And well, you know, the big awakening
0: about today where you have the submitters and you have the rebellers and and these different mindsets that are happening right now, even.
1: Right. But there was no um, opportunity to have a different mindset back then. Right. But, you know, I think it actually started earlier in. Second grade, um, 1963. I'm, I'm giving away how old I was, but um, that doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. The teacher comes in the room. I think it was November 21st, saying the president has been assassinated.
0: Oh my it's god! Like, I, I didn't know what
1: that word meant, assassinated. I, I I thought, and I said, "What is that?" Well, he's been killed. Someone said. I said, "Really? Why would someone kill the president?" Because, uh, but. And then that word assassinated always stuck out in my mind. Well, he wasn't just killed or shot. He was assassinated. That's different. I started to think about, I mean, that stayed with me because it was a trauma. It was like, it was like, it was like 9-11. It was like a world trauma. It's like
0: a world trauma, right? Yeah.
1: It was like a world global trauma and, and more here be, and, you know, actually, I remember even watching the Nixon Kennedy debates and my. And I think I was that was nineteen six. I must have been like three years old. And my parents said, which who do you like? And I immediately was drawn to Kennedy. He Kennedy. just looked nicer. So yes. I, I had some identification. Then I guess I was like eight years old in second grade. And there's the president was assassinated. So does that mean he was just shot or does it mean that there was some political Right. conspiracy. I'm not much of a conspiracy person, but yes, no. you have to admit that the Kennedy JFK assassination was sort of that yeah. Controvers-
0: first. Let's say controversial. Well,
1: controversial, but the first, like, step into what is now like a full-fledged occupation for half the country, conspiracy theories. Yeah. But that was the beginning. That really was like the, because for-
0: assassination someone in grade two though what how do they latch on to the assassination well it was just
1: that word i had never heard before assassination i mean i just never heard it before i mean like you don't really if it's not in the news and no one had been really assassinated in the country probably since whenever mckinley maybe that was 1899 but so i latched onto that word and it kept thinking and then you know i started to look at that i found i read the village voice in seventh grade i picked up national lampoon um also around high school junior high school national lampoon was another satire or making fun of the establishment you know yeah
0: Yeah.
1: and then i used to listen to the radio at night because i couldn't fall asleep I think I would have like E.T. invasion nightmares or something like that. But (laughs) I would fall asleep. I would listen to Long John Nebel, who was like really the Art Bell and George Norrie of the 1960s. And he would have these way out guests about astral travel and people on different planets. And uh, it was late night radio. And um, that started to make me aware of other realities and and the fact that people didn't all think the same you know you grow up in suburbia and everyone thinks the same they dresses dress the same they talk about the same things you you know it was good at least in the town I was living in that it wasn't all just um you know young young kids of one type who were kind of mixed with other um other people um uh, I mean other groups there I mean there was there was the Jewish, there was the Italian, there was the Irish, there was the wasps. And so it wasn't just it was it was mixed together in a, in a right. nice way where we could. So it wasn't it, just like all good. one type.
0: Right. Right. So, so that
1: was an open. Of course, you'd never met a person from India back then or, or there were no black people in my school or Asians, either of any sort. So it was wow. a very white bread, Long Island, but it wasn't. It wasn't racist or prejudiced. It, it just, it just, it just wasn't to be there.
0: It, it wasn't there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, but my family okay. was liberal and open and positive. So anyway, yes. So, what, so what you talking
0: about this radio show you were listening to and these other realities that you were right. introduced to through this uh, communication that that you were attracted to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. was there one that 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 you attached yourself to? Was there one specific? um mystical reality that
1: well we were it wasn't to... mystical back then it was um it was more um curiosity yeah curiosity um curiosity that um something else was going on it i wasn't right. open to miss i mean i didn't know about mystical realities till just yet yeah so i don't know when i started to um lot yeah, that. yeah yeah i mean when did that happen the mystical part i think when i got to college and started to explore consciousness and when did i start oh i did see a, a channel in 1981 first okay. time i've ever saw someone oh, channel. Wow. Uh, so that
0: was your first experience with with mysticism or metaphysics then, and that yes
1: yes because in college i had studied um psychology so-, so did
0: you did you like um i don't know have any dream or any kind of experience as you were growing up or as you were yes young? thank
1: you for asking that yes that you yeah, that's a good question um I used to feel like when I was like 14 or something, like I was being pulled out of my body, like like by by the back of my neck. It's like I would be felt like I was frozen and couldn't move. But there was this like vibration taking over my body. And I knew it wasn't a dream. Right. And it was really disturbing and scary. And I had this like red sort of uh, blinds on the window and the room would sort of turn red and I felt like I was in an altered state. So, you know, I would struggle with for that with that or or wake up and feel like I was out of my body or couldn't move and I'd have to do something in my mind to get back in my body. Yeah. But in the morning I woke up and everything was fine. So it's like, mm but those things. And then later I researched some of that may have been ET contact or some of right. that may have been, um,
0: sleep paralysis. Well,
1: sleep paralysis. I don't, it's, there is no, that is sleep paralysis means you're not really in your body. It's like you're, right. you so you're, you're not, in your body, but you can't move because you're not in your body.
0: That I've had that. I've had that experience. Well, that's
1: people. because you've had out of body, you know?
0: Okay. So you were telling me about your experience and that, that
1: yeah you know, so it almost
0: that sounds et or it almost sounds abduction even for that matter
1: it could have been an abduction yes yes yes
0: right
1: i write about this in my book did you order my book yet
0: <laughs> i haven't ordered your you book know, yet but i intend to as soon as we get off the show here
1: no no wait because i want someone told me if everyone orders the book on the same day it can be a, a bestseller if we get Absolutely, enough people
0: that's true
1: so wait can to tell order me when
0: can you tell me when? i will i
1: will tell you one But anyway, so I had those early experiences when I was growing up, like maybe 13, 14. And then I studied psychology in college because I wanted to learn more about the human mind. But someone had told me after college, I was living in New York, and they said, this woman channels this uh, warrior from Atlantis, this 35,000-year-old warrior. I said, well, who is this woman? And they said, well, she's a housewife from Washington State. I said, that's really ridiculous. I'm, I don't believe that it's housewife, like
0: housewife channels a warrior. Yes, okay. right.
1: It's like it didn't make sense to a psychological yeah. perspective. So I was uh, not interested in that for like two years. And then, you know, this is like I mean, I could have been one of the first to see it. So this is like 1979. Someone tells me about this woman, Jay-Z Knight. Do you, have you heard of Ramtha?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So it was like she was just starting to do channeling yep. in 1979, but it wasn't until 1981.
0: I tried her meditation with the with the.
1: Oh, with it's the- great that that actually changed my awareness more than anything I ever did once I got into Ramtha. But I didn't wow. get to, into them right away. I had to think about it for two years. And then someone had left um, these audio tapes in my apartment for my roommate who I had here in New York. Um, and on the tapes, Ramtha was ask, answering questions. And mm-hmm. there was this one question by a woman who said, asking Ramtha about her health, and she had this really bad skin, you know, with right. acne, I guess. And she said she had tried everything to actually heal that. And she said, right. nothing worked. And then Ramtha says to her, well, have you tried loving it? And <laughs> I like, there was a moment you could hear it on the audio and that's was, was that like, like wow what? that just stopped her and it stopped me yeah and i said well maybe this other way of understanding is really about loving something that we can't deal with or something so right. i, I right. went to see then this channel she was coming to new york she would tour the country she'd go to like southern california and northern california and then new york was, and jay-z night jay-z night okay, yes yes jay-z night
0: right she would so travel around was, so it was jay-z night that this this
1: housewife yes jay-z okay, night okay, was okay, the okay. housewife okay, no okay. no jay-z night and then okay. i said okay well if it's about loving it and um i'll go check it out because a lot of my friends were going i had this friend who was a dwarf right uh, from college I knew him Bobby Faust great guy he's no longer with us but he would say he asked Ramtha a question which she right. Jay-Z Knight would channel Ramtha he said yeah. he said to her why why am I a dwarf this lifetime and Ramtha said to him because you were a giant in a past lifetime and you wanted to see the world from another perspective so anyway all my friends were going that i knew because it was kind of like you know now channeling is like an everyday kind of household word but in the early 80s like you know there was only seth jane roberts that was like and that was great stuff too if you ever read you ever read seth
0: i've read two of her books yeah
1: that's great the yeah
0: this
1: is one of my favorite the Unknown reality, or oh, you can't see it, but it's the unknown.
0: No, I can. No, I can. Okay. Yeah, the unknown uh, reality.
1: That. that is great. The nature of personal reality. But anyway, I went to see Ramtha 1981, and there's an audience, probably maybe a hundred people in this auditorium in uh, Central Park West. And you know, I'm not quite bored, but I'm just like, you know, there's yeah. all this. People are asking about how to like heal their sick parakeet. I mean, ridiculous questions, <laughs> you know. And then. Rantha um points towards me and he says to me what say you beloved entity how be you this day in your time it's like what are you talking (laughs) it's like what does that mean (laughs) you're talking to me I looked around there was no one behind me I guess guess he was talking to me but you know in that moment of that connection it was like reality became distorted it became like um like i was in an altered state in that connection it felt like there was like this embrace of our energies in the middle of the room there it's like in
0: everything else around you stopped and it was just yes
1: yes it was like this moment it's like you ever see like the the sound drops away and just like and that was like oh It's like in that moment, I knew I was greater than my body. There was more to me. That was like, that was like some people have that on LSD or whatever they do, but that was my moment where the search began.
0: Wow. where
1: Where I entered the metaphysical arena, you know?
0: So, how, so then all these other realities we talked about that you heard on that radio show. You named your show the New Realities. Yes. So, yes. I'm, we're going to come back to that question because I want you to make that distinction for me. Mm-hmm. But um, in in your experience with Ramtha, that that whatever opened up for you, mm-hmm. tell me now where did that lead you? Like, how do we go from somebody who's just exploring consciousness mm-hmm. in their individual experience to somebody who wants to tell the world about it?
1: Right. It led me everywhere. That experience, every, every, I, I, from then, you know, I would just do freelance jobs. I would take the next workshop, you know, I take the next chakra (laughs) thing. I learned about, you know, energies because I realized I was really just energy. I even went to acupuncture school. That's right. You
0: become, become an acupuncturist. Yeah. Just
1: to study the energy pathway. So I became, obsessed with energy it wasn't so much ufos at that time so i just wanted to know more i wanted to know well that was an altered state of consciousness i really didn't do like drugs to experiment i mean i didn't really like marijuana i didn't really do i mean i did do ecstasy occasionally that was nice that was a heart opening i did do an awful experience ketamine that was a horrible thing with john Lilly. that was the worst experience i've ever done Uh, what
0: advice you have Within for anyone, I would, my
1: advice do. is that you don't need drugs, don't even need ayahuasca, right? It's sort of a joke. We already you see, I think in the 60s, maybe those things expanded consciousness, but you know, we as a collective are already opening those parts of our brain to access right. these new realities. So, those things actually take us down they lower our vibration we my feeling is that we are in a much higher vibration now than we were 20 years ago or 30 years or 100 years ago it keeps getting refined we don't see it
0: we're not necessarily in a higher vibration it's just we're being able to perceive that higher vibration because we're absolutely always in that higher vibration
1: but i do think the there's a physical higher vibration like an acceleration within the the body, we're getting closer to light, the ascension, whatever you want to call that. So okay. I started. So after that meeting with Ramtha 81, it's like, oh, I was just going to explore all the spiritual possibilities that I no longer doubted because I had an experience that showed me they were real. I mean, Ram Dass talks about that in uh, Be Here Now, when he took the LSD, <laughs> all the mystical books started to make sense. Well, I didn't need to take the LSD. It's like right. all started to make sense because like I'm sure you've had an experience that got you into this, right? Yeah. I'll interview you sometime and You're, we'll do that.
0: Sure, we but, can do
1: that. Because I'm interested in what is that moment where it's like losing your virginity. It's like, what is that moment where yeah. you... Um
0: I believe every, I believe everyone has that it that experience that well not
1: everyone. I think just, there's a lot of people I know who haven't had it, but you know well, the people we know, yes.
0: Yes, that's true. Um I mean or they I, mean, I think the most of the world it, or they didn't that? recognize it, or they didn't recognize it. Right,
1: they? right, right. They didn't recognize, but I don't think they actually even have had it because I think I mean there's a lot of uh, very dense people that's like true. my Brothers, I don't think, had that. I don't think like, you know, um, um, I don't I think, hear
0: you because I feel the same way about my brother and sister.
1: Right. So <laughs> they haven't not. I And it's a vibrational thing. Yeah. Meeting Ramtha in 1981 shifted my vibration because I was ready for that. I mean, somebody else may have had the same experience. And it's like, oh, that was interesting. But for me, actually, before I met Ramtha, I was kind of looking at different spiritual traditions. I was looking at gurus and Osho, mm-hmm. and it's like I didn't really want to dress in orange. That was not a good color for me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to wear someone's picture around my neck. So I wasn't I wasn't worshipping somebody in the Eastern Indian tradition. No, nothing uh, personal, but you know, no, I no. just didn't, <laughs> no. Or and in the Western tradition, it's like you had to follow this unseen being who sat in judgment uh or you know that's that's the judaic or like this bloody person on a cross you had to worship some bleeding person on a cross that (laughs) didn't make any sense to me although i think jesus is a great teacher once you really learn the true story about it but um so anyway i wanted something unseen and that was the one thing Ramtha said in the talk that i went to he said everybody wants to know what channeling is everybody wants to like uh be a part of this phenomenon but the real question is who's coming through that body who who where's that energy where is that what's what is that what are you
0: and what are yeah. you? Right. Absolutely. We so
1: turned the question around instead of like like being fascinated with the channel, be fascinated with the source of your own energy.
0: Right. And well, that I, I was sense. in a, I was in a channeling session once where, where the channel the person channeling the voice channeling out of them said, You bow down, you bow down, you bow down. There was like five or six of us in the room, and I refused to bow down and it. He yelled at me, you know, Bow down. I just ran out of
1: that. Right. <laughs> that's that's the big challenge. Just because someone's channeling doesn't mean they're enlightened. It means they're exactly. like just not physical. And people think, oh, you know, but, you know, it's it's you have to really be where I mean, I feel like I was lucky because Ramtha, he felt like an ascended being. He said he was. But this expanded consciousness and and the wisdom I mean, he never said he, he said, no, you are God. Absolutely. I like that. And, one thing, and what's that?
0: That's a different channel or a different entity coming out of Ramtha than the one I experienced, for example, right?
1: I don't know. It, who did. You, yeah, right. Then the being you experienced. Then right, the right, being
0: I right. experienced.
1: Right, right, right. Definitely. Well, there's so many. There's an infinite amount of unseen beings and they're not all woke, as they say these days. <laughs> I mean, a, like
0: Bashar or Esther Hicks and 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 we're talking about some very sophisticated channeling coming out of them, right? I yes,
1: mean, yes. Although I thought, I think, I mean, I like Bashar, of course, because he's brilliant, but I, I mean, Esther Hicks is, I mean, she's okay for beginners. <laughs> it's just my judgment, but it's very, I mean, the law of attraction is great and it works, but it only gets you what you know, right. you know? If you, if you focus on what you want, but what Ramtha was saying was we're here to make known the unknown. That was, that's like one of his like basic principles. The reason you incarnated was not to have a house and all get all those things. And, you know, (laughs) that that's actually in the way, or that's like, that's not why you incarnated to have a lot of stuff. It's not about the law of attraction. It's about being a creative being. And with your creativity, you bring something new into the plane of existence and adds to the the wisdom and the joy of the world. That's why you incarnated. That's what you're doing with this program. So you're here to own the human experience. This is Ramtha. And in the owning of it, you take it to another level. You know, you're here to look at everyone. And you say, when you look, everyone is I I know what that is. I know what that feels like. So and I would practice that like on the subways looking into people's eyes and say, oh, yeah. And do you see God in that person? Do you see the light in that person? And even the most awful person, there is a God force coming through there. Or, you know, so that was a practice and it's like, oh, I mean, so we're here to own the human experience, which means we're here to have all the um, feelings that human beings are capable of feeling. That's my philosophy. And we're here to create. We're here to be creators as we We emulate creation. So making known the unknown is what new realities is about, if you want to get back to that, because it's like that is the basis. I want to bring new possibilities because I want to know them. I'm just right. showing myself what...
0: I mean, the, what, the ET experience, for example, the, the contact experience, going mm-hmm. to your book now, making contact Yes. Um, as we come to our close, um, making contact, for example, that wasn't as predominant as it is right now. In, right. Right?
1: Yes, where, you're absolutely where, right.
0: Like yes. there's this period where we where there was near-death experiences, for example, was a <laughs> that big was thing. The, that and astral the, experiences was a big thing. And now yeah. all of a sudden we have this ET right. experience. That's a,
1: right. You're right. That was the soup du jour of the day. And now we have right. something else. Yeah. So... um that's it so making contact is sort of on everyone's mind because and i make this clear in the book and i'll send you a pdf for the book okay
0: please yeah i'd love but to I'll, still buy I'll, it i'll review it for you too
1: yes but still buy it too if you don't mind i
0: will i will but I will. um
1: it's making contact is actually a two-way street everyone taught, is waiting for them to show up but we have to shift how we're thinking if we're going to be open to making contact. So it's like we have to reach out and as they reach towards us, we meet. That's the making of contact. It's two ways.
0: So what's your thought of the CE5 then where, where Stephen Greer is approaching it where we are the initiators of making contact versus waiting for contact?
1: Well, they're there. They're waiting for us to reach up. So they are waiting. We are we're not initiating it in, in the sense that Greer thinks about it. They're already here. We're just yeah. tuning our frequency to see them, but they still have to do their part, which is show up. Right. So they're here and they're changing people's consciousness by planting um, new possibilities in people's minds. Did you hear that interview with Anjali, the one Roderick brought on? I
0: sure did. That was like that's
1: mind blowing, isn't it?
0: It felt like it felt like she's experienced every single phenomenon you could possibly think of in -hmm. in that sense, right? Whether it was near death, whether it was channeling, whether it was. Yes, yes.
1: But she has a real message for us. She is going to be part of this next wave, I feel. And um, they're here. They they singled her out to make contact. So it's Stephen Greer you know, he does his part and I did a C5 with him and I did see things. But when you shift your mind, when you drop out of the beta waves and more into alpha and data and theta, that creates a doorway for other beings, other dimensions to show up without fear, you know, without fear, a lot of people have these, um, these experiences spontaneously and and i did too when i was abducted
0: same yeah you you were abducted i don't know if it was an abduction but when you say that there's no such real thing as sleep paralysis maybe it was an abduction because certainly i
1: I think it's a joke people call it sleep paralysis you're just not in your body come on yeah but scientists are not ready to admit that sort of um but i did have an
0: experience that that was showing me where I felt like I was in my body and out of my body at the same time, if that makes sense to you.
1: Totally makes sense because that happened to me because you may be out of your body, but your consciousness is still, I don't believe in a silver cord, but somehow connected to the body. So when I was out of my body, I was able to um, feel my body breathing and all that. So I was able to be... Actually, Carlos Castaneda talks about it being here and there at the same time. Yeah. Did you ever read Carlos Castaneda? I
0: did, absolutely. I did, did you read it's all his a books? I when I was twenty. I don't have all his books, but I did oh, read his main. That book. was
1: a huge influence on me. So I think the three major influences for me. I
0: listened to his audio books.
1: Right. <laughs> I had all three, these
0: cassettes. Three major
1: influences for me was Carlos Castaneda. I read every. I took one summer and read every single book in order. And it's (laughs) like one long story. It's like, it's not like the ending of a book, like one book leads into the next. So I think he has eight books out, Teachings of Don Juan, of Reality, Journey to X-Land, Tales of Power, you know, all this, and it's an incredible story. It's, uh, and um, he just didn't have enough impeccability to make the definitive journey
0: and so when I read that, I felt positive about almost everything. Do you know what yes, I mean? Yes, it is positive. But, but then when I read something like Robert Monroe, it felt like, like this darkness comes in when I read really? is that i
1: never read that i never heard that in robert monroe is there that well
0: there, it's just that like for example you have to protect yourself and and in that sense right do you know what i mean like i know
1: what you mean but i think if you have to protect yourself then you have to then you're attracting what it is you're protecting yourself exactly, from
0: exactly and and
1: yeah i don't
0: until, until i read that in robert monroe i didn't feel i needed to protect myself well
1: you don't if you don't feel you do then you're <laughs> I mean, there are some weird astral entities out there, but, you know, right. uh, I mean, I've
0: had, I, I've had outstanding experiences, but I haven't really had any negative experiences per se, yeah,
1: because you're already at a different vibration. You're already, you're already there. Right. So I wouldn't worry about it, you know. Right, I mean, right. It's it. You're good. You're good to go. <laughs> really, but tell
0: everyone about your book now, because mm. and we got to do this again because I no a- no.
1: Let's do a part two more. But I really appreciate the early childhood questions because uh, it gives me perspective. Because um um, but my book. So after the ramp the stuff I st- I did have some UFO, I did have a UFO experience abduction experience or real abduction not just like wow. in, in 1987
0: so tell the, us about uh, that before you go just
1: well i was driving cross-country with this girlfriend we stopped by this road and we and in the night we felt like we were frozen like we were just like we you felt like we your... were sleep paralysis we just we woke up in the same position we went to sleep in then that right. never happened you don't even remember something like that right it's like and in my book, I write about this, so you can read that. But it was like a time mold was made of us. we were taken out of the present time and brought into this other reality and then put right back into this mold like that was made of our imprint on time is the only way I could describe that. And, wow. it, and, and it took me, and, and I, Ursel, I heard, Bob, uh, what's his name, uh, Lazar, Bob Lazar talk about this that they were able to do this freeze time, and I that happened after I had my experience, or you said this. Well, so the anyway,
0: Philadelphia experiment also talks about that. Yeah, modern, modern.
1: I do not know about the Philadelphia. I mean, yeah, a lot, there's a lot of talk about it. I'm not sure what to believe about that, though. But yeah.
0: I too, I too, I don't know what to believe yeah. about but it. Anyway, but
1: anyway, in and that oh, abduction experience it took me 20 years to integrate that whole thing. I'm still integrating that. But but after that, I started to I said, what happened to me? And I met Bud Hopkins and John Mack, Whitley Strieber, oh. really the big names. And it's like I sort of became obsessed with um, the UFO ET experience. So I I would go to all the conferences and, you know, just hang out with Linda Moulton yeah, Howe till two Brent
0: David Sweet at that time. <laughs>
1: probably i probably met david then and um lots of people hang out with uh grant cameron and whitley go out i mean these are the all-stars of our of our team they've been travis walton we were a bunch of us were on a ufo cruise together with travis and you know they, they're regular people but they you know i found the whole ufo group very intelligent very open-minded for the most part most of them and looking to this other level of reality. So I became sort of good friends with a lot of these people. And um, so I I asked them when I went to the, I'm writing another book about a very well, unknown abduction that happened in the 1800s. But I went to this publisher I said, well, I have this book about this great abduction. And and he goes, well, we're not ready for that. Why don't you write an (laughs) anthology why don't you write a collection, why don't you collect the best people in this field, put them together in one volume, and we'll put it out there as your book as the editor and I, and contribute a piece so I did that. I, I got Linda and Daryl Anka and Whitley Strieber and Nick Pope and Mary Rodwell and wow. like really the people they I the- people I've actually had also personal connection with it's right. like. I was even John Mack, who I knew. I mean, he's no longer with it, but, but I knew like, the people taking care of the.
0: state, right?
1: Yeah, I spoke to his archivist, actually, who I also knew because I had sent John things and I did an interview with John way back. So I knew I knew them. And so I put them all together in a book um, that starts with the outer with the nuts and bolts, as they say. So what does the government know? And what are UFOs? What do they think? And then I go more and more into consciousness until I get to like the abduction part and then the integration part, like with Daryl and Mary and Carolyn Corey. I finished it with Carolyn Corey, who actually talks about merging with these ETs. Wow. So well, I run. Unexpected. Thank you. Yeah, because I, it's like it runs the course of the whole phenomena as we know it. with this like it's like a deepening of of levels of 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 interest of of awareness about the phenomena so you you start with the exterior oh yeah there's something up in the sky and then it goes way into like consciousness right
0: Right. so that's
1: that's what makes this book making contact different than all the thousands and tens of thousands of ufo books already out there
0: right there's something it's a narrative Damn
1: it. Yes, yes. There's a spec. Yes, exactly. I'm glad you get that. Absolutely. Yes. No, let's do a part two where we can talk about. um,
0: I'd love to. We could dig deeper right. into ne- many yes. things.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, is there anything else you want to know just before? No, is there
0: anything last minute that you want to say? Before well, buy the
1: go? book on Amazon, right? You could put the Amazon link there. Yeah, I will. And, and tell your friends to buy. Actually, that my publicist says, tell people to buy three copies. One for yourself, one for your family to show them that you're not crazy. And one for those one friends to, that what
0: well, one to give to someone.
1: Yes, one to give to someone who doesn't believe any of this stuff. Or exactly. to who or who do, because it it I think actually I only wrote one part of it, but it's really, I enjoyed reading the essays it i'm like wow it's almost like there's an invisible story being told here
0: well you must have had like as you're writing this this corpus of of experiences you probably went through a shift in consciousness (laughs) as you were writing it
1: well i went through a shift in writing my own story like from childhood my obsession i didn't even tell you that part with and so i wrote about stuff i had never actually talked to anyone about right because i don't know i just had time i got
0: the feeling to ask you questions about things you never told anyone about so must be yeah (laughs) There. it
1: is connected to that thank you for following your intuition
0: absolutely uh, i'd love to thank love you. To you thank I, you
1: i really enjoyed talking to you so i, I
0: enjoyed talking to you i'd love you Alan. thank you oh, so much
1: thank you thank, thank you. you
0: thank you bless you thanks
1: you. okay bye, bye.